Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. I would be a little bit uh, tired and under the weather, but uh, uh, the contrary is true. I have supernatural energy. And so what I, why, why don't we just tap into that before some sleep hit me? You know, they say when you get older, you can sleep in any position. You can just, you can just be standing there and just go. So, so if I doze off, somebody could get me and remind me what I was doing. Amen. I, I trust the Lord. You know, uh, our lives are so, so much of a threat to the enemy that he desires to complicate our walk with God. Today I'm going to talk to you, uh, and it's going to be a review for many, but for some it's going to be some of the most profound revelation about you that you've ever heard. For many of us, as I said, it's going to be a review. But as we, as we examine faith, faith is not as, as difficult as we make it. The simplicity of it is what gets us in trouble. So we, we've come to a time in the 21st century where, and it started really in the latter part of the 20th century, where, where we were teaching faith irresponsibly, and we made it seem that you could have certain levels or, or, or that uh, if you're not in faith, then you're to be mocked. And so we will point fingers and say, I thought you had faith when the devil attacks, when the reality is we all are going to come under attack. What we, what we found on last week was, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6, for without faith it's impossible to please God. What we found is that you either you're in faith or you're outside of it. We found that this word without is really a perimeter or a geographical word that speaks to your location. Where are you? And so it stands to reason that you could be in faith but in trouble. You got it? Abraham, you see what, you, what we miss is we think that we think that if you fail, you're not in faith. But if, if you succeed, you're in faith. No, but Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, went to Haran, left Haran. He's following the will of God for his life, but he falls into trouble. And within the boundaries of his faith, he fails. He falters. He stumbles. He has victory. He has defeat, but he's still in the perimeters of faith because he's following God's plan for his life. I'm here to tell you this morning. Listen, in, in the perimeter, in the arena of faith, you're going to experience all kinds of things. But I challenge you to just stay in faith. You're going to come, listen, you're going to come to places in your life that you have to admit it's over your head, it's beyond you. But as we said on last week, that's when I examine myself to see if I'm in the faith. Because if I am, then Christ dwells in me. And I may come to the end of myself, but just know when I come to the end of myself, that's when the power of the Most High takes over. Amen. In your Bibles, Mark chapter 11 and verse 20. I'm going to preach before we, we teach. I got to teach you. And if I have something tapped on reserve at the end, we may get a shout in today. I declare we got to get us a B3. Because Thursday night in the pastor's conference, we, th- there was a shout to be had. And all we needed was just a little note on a B3. And it may not have come out well, but I was, I was just prepared to go for it. I was going to tune up just a little bit. <laughs> you wish. All right. Look at verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, 
behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Notice he didn't say have faith in the words that you speak. He didn't say have faith in the process. He says have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And here is laid out before us the principle of faith. The principle of faith is that whatever things you desire, if you believe and don't doubt, if you don't have a second opinion, if you don't have a safety net or a security plan in place just in case God is not telling the truth, the Bible says if that, that's the case with you, the principle of faith says you're going to have what you say. And then verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. This is the prayer of faith. Based on the principle of faith. Now I pray the prayer of faith. And the Bible says if I believe I receive it when I pray. Not after. Not when I see it, but before I see it. If I believe I receive it. Then the Bible says the prayer of faith will bring the impossible or, or will change my impossible situation. John says it like this in 1 John chapter 5. He says, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, then we have the petition we've desired of him. And then verse 25 here says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have art against any that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses and this is called the problem of faith the problem of faith is that I got to make sure my connections are in order got to make sure my relationships are straight when I walk in faith I got to I got to realize I cannot I cannot at the same time be engaged in strife strife takes all of my focus the focus I need for faith strife takes it and so it stands to reason for some of you, when you believe in God for something big, you may need to avoid family reunions. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You may need to isolate yourself in your cubicle at work. Yes, sir. You may need to sleep in a different <laughs> bedroom sometimes to make sure. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> sit down. Sit down. It is the will of God that we understand how faith works. God wants us to know how faith works. Amen? And today what I want to do, well, let me do just a quick review. We said on last week that we have to understand certain terminology, certain definition. We said believing is, accept, is accepting as a fact that which I cannot verify with my five physical senses. If I'm going to believe, I have to accept the truth of God's word. I know that, that God says things that seem to be impossible, but I've got to take God's word for it. Amen? And then we said faith is speaking and acting with nothing else to go on but the word of God. I, I'll sound department, please keep my mic up so I won't start hollering because I will holler. Amen? All right. So, so what we want to do is today we want to move from step one, which is we talked to on last week. Step one in trusting God is I got to go to the word of God and find out what the will of God is for me. Got to find out what the will of God is. Faith begins where the where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So I must understand it is the will of God for me to prayerfully seek out from his word what he wants from me. Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 49 says, Remember thy word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Upon which thou hast caused me to hope. If faith is the substance of things hoped for, or actually the, uh, the one translation said it, it is the title deed of things that I'm hoping for, then we must establish that hope comes from the word of God. Hope comes from the 
Word of God. Remember thy word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. I had no hope before, but God, you gave me hope from your word. Um, Psalm 119 verse 81 says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. I hope in thy word. So what happens, understand that the word hope means an expectation of good, an expectation of good. I go to the word of God, no matter what my situation is, and from the word of God, I, I begin to see this image that God wants for my life. You got it? I receive that image and I begin to expect it, and that picture on the canvas of my imagination becomes the goal. I begin to expect it, and the reality is, if I can't expect it, God can't do it. If I don't expect God to do it, he won't do it. That's the reality. You're going to get what you expect. Amen? Now, what I want to do without going into a whole lot of review is I want to go down and cover step two. Step one is when I have a faith situation, to walk in faith, I go to the word of God and find out what the will of God is. Unfortunately, many of us, when we read the word of God, always, especially as it relates to sin, all we see is judgment. But do you know that for everything that you go through, and I, I want to use an example. Your iniquity, by, by, by definition, is the sin that's been passed down through the bloodline to you. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It's just something you got by inheritance. So here you are. You come into the earth. You, you inherit this in, uh, iniquity. And then your experiences teach you how to fail. And when you come to God, religion teaches you that all God shows you is where your judgment is going to come from. But when God introduced himself to us, and when you follow the scripture, God introduces himself to us. He always presents to us. He says, he says I am he that is good and my mercy endures forever. When Moses was de uh, developing a relationship with God, uh, the relationship got so close that Moses said, I want to see you. And God says, well, you can't see my face and live, but what I'll do for you is let me hide you in the cleft of this rock and I'll pass by and allow my goodness to pass by you. Scripture said that God walked by and God puts his hand over Moses and God, God begins to declare the Lord God. And he starts talking about how he was, he was mighty in long suffering and patience, in goodness and mercy. And while he's saying this, the Bible says that God causes goodness to pass by Moses and he allowed Moses to see his hinder parts. Well, if you've been following my teaching for any length of time, you know that in Hebrew, that's not hinder part, it's history. So Moses, in a flash from God, when God walks by him, God shows him his goodness, and he begins to write and document from Genesis, Exodus. He begins to write all these books. But in the book of Genesis, remember now, as God is creating the earth, the Bible says, God would look at it and say, it is what? It is good. And he'd look at another thing he created and say, it is good. And when he gets to the end of it, the capstone of it, here's what he says, it is very good. God causes goodness to pass by Moses. So it, it doesn't make sense to me that the, that the person that Abraham identified as the judge of all the earth, and he asked the question, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The answer to that question is yes. So how is it that you're in trouble, but when you go to the word of God, the only thing the judge of all the earth shows you is judgment? That's not so. In the word of God, God gives us explanation and clarification of everything we need to know to overcome every deficit in our lives, every bad decision, every mistake, every failure, everything that went wrong, God, it, the answer's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. And he, what he's banking on is that when you hear him speak, you believe. Now, the, the, problem, the problem with believing is that believing is not as easy as you think it is. Because you hear the word of God doesn't mean you believe it. There, there's a... There's a, 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 a 
uh, misnomer in the body of Christ that we think that because we're hearing God speak or you're hearing the word preach, you think because you know it, you have it. You think that because you heard it, you own it. And, and just be clear about this. Make a note of this. The only word that will work for you from the word of God is the word that you own. You can't borrow it. You can't visit it. You have to own it. It has to become yours. Amen? Now, go in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to do a lot of review. This is stuff you heard before. Ain't nothing new. This is real basic stuff. But the second step in trusting God, this, the, uh, the title of this, uh, uh, this uh, series is Faith 101, Steps to Trusting God. The second step is, in order for the Word of God to affect my belief system, there must be a way for me to purposefully give it access to my belief system. Now, everybody look up at me. You, you, got, you got 2 Timothy 3? 2 Timothy 3? Okay, everybody look at me for a minute. You can find it. It's, it's not, we'll get to it. They'll put it on the screen. Your belief system is not as easy to access as you think. Think about this. How many times have you promised to change, gave your best effort to change, were determined to change, but didn't? Okay? So what you must understand about your belief system is that it has a combination that is so long and deep that only God knows it. In scripture, listen, listen to the tone of the writers. Listen to the tone that comes from the pen of the writers. When, when they write about people that's easily tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, it freaks them out. As the Holy Spirit influences men to write, as they're writing about people who are easily influenced, Paul told the Galatian church, he says, somebody had to bewitch you. Something supernatural had to happen to you for you to be so easily moved from what you believed. Because the truth of the matter is, it is so difficult to change our belief system. When I talk about your belief system, uh, uh, many of you uh, say, well, I guess I know what he's talking about. And today we will, need to make it, we will make it real clear, real clear. You're going to know what I'm talking about. This belief system thing is a big deal. You can hear the word of God over and over again. And you can memorize the word of God and still not believe it. And so the second step to walking in faith, the second step to trust in God is that I've got to find this way. What is the way that God has given us so that the word can access my belief system? Because it, unless it gets past this combination, I can't change. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. 
pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Now you hear that? You hear that? That's the sound of people waiting to learn. Because what I suspect today is that someone came to church with the intent of begging God to please accept me although I messed up again. And what God is intent on doing is saying, listen, you don't have to beg me. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna show you why you keep faltering. I'm not the person that religion say I am. I'm gonna show you who you are and it's gonna help you. Anybody wanna be helped? Amen. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. The Bible is, 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 is really self-explanatory. And, and uh, it has all, all the ingredients that you need to live a victorious life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Lift your voices and read with me, please. Ready? Let's read. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, follow me closely. Uh, doctrine, the Bible says that the word of God that's written for us, this documentation of truth, is designed by God to be profitable. When you get into the word of God and the word of God gets into you, the end result should be a profit. In business, a profit is what is left over after my investment, after, after I've paid the bills to my investment. That's the best way to define that. What is left over after I've paid the bills to secure my investment. You got it? It's called a profit. The Bible says no matter what happens in your life, no matter what uh, the enemy brings to you, no matter what you, you receive as inheritance in the blood, when you obey the word of God or when you get an idea of what the word of God is talking about, what it brings to you is profit. Everybody shout profit. In other words, you should be winning. So I want to define some words for you. The Bible says the word of God should be profitable, profitable to you in four areas. Number one, for doctrine. Doctrine is the established will of God. It is the establishment of God. It is the order of God. It is what God wants for you. When we speak of doctrine, if you want to study the Greek about this word or with this word, the word is the word that we get our English word didactic from, which means to learn or, or an educational system that's set up. So the doctrine of God is the established order of God whereby we learn God's system, what God wants, how God thinks, what he, what he desires for our personal lives. Number two, the Bible says that the word of God is profitable to us for reproof. Now, why reproof? Here's why. When you came to the Lord, when you became a believer, you came in with a backpack full of erroneous information. You learn your religion on the street. Mm-hmm. So you learn stuff like uh, 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 the Lord moves in, uh, in mysterious ways as wonders to perform. Ain't no way in the word. If you take one step, God will take two. Ain't no way in the word. Cleanliness is next to, ain't no way in the word. So you learn your religion just like you learn, well, no. You, you learn your religion on the street. And, or you learn about God on the street and it's nothing but religion. The problem with religion is religion is still trying to find God. When, when Christianity tells us that God found us. 
Religious is trying to work it out to get to God, and the Bible says God already worked it out to get to us. And when you go through scripture, you find that a lot of stuff you learned about God before you came to church was wrong. And it's in your belief system. So the Bible says the word of God, what it does is, it, the, is reproof is the dismantling of erroneous information from your belief system. The, the, the dismantling of erroneous information. So when you come to church, if, if, how many of you recently got saved within the last five years, put your hand up, recently you got saved? How many of you have been saved for 10 years or so, 10 years or so, put your hand up? Okay, 20 years or so? Over 20 years, put your hand up? Two years? How many of you saved? I ain't seen no hands go, okay, well... You, do you remember when you got saved? Well, respond, say something. How many of you been saved between one and ten years? Put your hand up. Ten years and over, put your hand up. Okay, that, that accounts for all of us. I was wondering. I'm going to change my message and start preaching salvation. <laughs> so, so reproof is the dismantling of erroneous information from our belief system. Now, correction is the assimilation of truth into my belief system. And normally the way this happens is that God will, t- will confront my, my erroneous information with the truth of his word, and the truth of his word will displace the error. You got it? And then number four, it's profitable to me for instruction in righteousness. Well, what is instruction in righteousness? Instruction in righteousness is a plan of action whereby I carry out or put into practice the new truth I just learned. So when you look at this all together, the Bible says the word of God or the scripture is profitable, profitable to me, is given to me, number one, for doctrine, to know the will and the order of God. Number two, to, uh, for reproof, to dismantle all the error I came to church with. Number three, to build in me, assimilate into my belief system some truth. And number four, give me a plan to act it out. The word of God, everybody said the word of God is for my good. So what I want to do today is because I'm going to use this terminology, belief system. What is my belief system? Let me tell you about you. You are so complicated that when the psalmist considered us, he said we are fearfully and wonderfully made, intricately designed. When God designed us, everything about us speaks to something. So imagine this. Your belief system is comprised of a conscious mind whereby you make decisions. You are ever choosing. Right now, you're choosing whether or not to listen to me. Any public speaker worth their salt has already learned that the audience will give them or lend them their attention in 10-minute spans. And so at least six times while I'm up here preaching, I got to win your attention at least six times. Because you're only loaning it to me in 10-minute increments. Now, what happens to you is when I say something that intrigues you, your mind will daydream and wander off. Don't have a problem with that. That's what happens. My only problem is all of you don't wander off at the same time. No, it happens. It doesn't happen. Um, I'll say something, it speaks to some part of your life, and you drift off. And you come back and say, what he just said? It's not that you're not listening, it's that you just you left me for a moment. I understand that. You got it? But you're choosing right now. We, we're always in choosing mode, and it drains us mentally. My conscious mind is always choosing. Now, I want to show you that, that your belief system is comprised. Look, look at it like a, a, from a hierarchy, from top to bottom. On the top, I have my conscious mind. He's choosing. Well, my subconscious mind is paying close attention to all the choices that my conscious mind is making. And what he seeks to do is to relieve my conscious mind of this incessant um, energy that's taken to make decisions. 
So when, I'm, when I choose something over and over again, my conscious mind says, my subconscious mind says, well, let me help you with that. And watch this now. It takes the decision from the conscious mind. It extracts the value and puts it in the conscience and retains the habit. Every decision you make has in it value and habit. Now, so I have my conscious mind, my subconscious mind, who's responsible for taking, for taking things from me, and then I have my conscience. Now, let's be clear that the conscience is not a part of the soul. Your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then some components of the, of the mental part of, of my life, of my soul, is the imagination and also the intellect. They're parts of, of my mental, of the mental component. But the, my conscience is a part of the human spirit. We don't talk a lot about the human spirit. The human spirit has a threefold function. Number one, your human spirit is designed to communicate with God or to have communion with God. Number two, your human spirit uh, is involved in what we call intu intuition. You can receive information in your human spirit that bypasses your mind. And then number three, your human spirit is designed or has the function of conscience. Now, I'm going to prove to you from scripture everything I'm saying. Uh, communion. Uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there you go. I worship God with my spirit. So that is communion with God. Jesus is telling Peter, he said, flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter learned some information that he didn't get through his head. He didn't know how he got it. He just knew it. And he said it. And Jesus said, let me tell you how you got it. You didn't get it in your head. God put it in your spirit intuitively. So the function of the human spirit is intuition. The third function of the human spirit is conscience, and that's very important. Let me tell you what conscience is. Is this helping you? Yeah. Pastor, I'm going to break you off the day so hard. Yeah, I'm going to break you off. You can break you off. I came with the express intent of breaking you off. I came today to help you understand why you do what you do. Conscience is like a vault. When you were born, when you came into, when you broke the matrix and came into the earth, you were born with what I call a God spot. And really what it is, it was certain information from God already deposited in your conscience. But by experience and, and the family of your origin, what happened to you is other things, other values were put into your conscience. The purpose of conscience is to store values. The, the, nature, of the, the nature of the value is not in question here. We're not saying your values are right. We're saying simply that you value the thing in your conscience. You got it? So now, watch this. So as you grow up, you have certain values, that, that, that you have certain values about you that shape your reality. Now, let's define reality. Reality deals with the, the sum of my experiences that has shaped the way I see life. Give this. This is going to help you. So he meets her, and he sees her from a distance. He says, it's love at first sight. He walks up to her. He puts his best game on. They talk for a moment. And she says to him, watch this, we're from two different worlds. What does she mean? She means that the sum of her experience and the sum of his experience causes them to see reality totally different. It's all about value. Now I want to show you how this relates and why it's not just easy for you to believe. You say, I believe God and it didn't happen. No, the Bible says if you believe, all things are possible to him that can't believe. So if you did believe, impossibility would have responded and respected your belief. 
But you think that because you agreed or that you were educated or something was revealed to you, you think you believe it. All it means is that you agreed. All it means is that you understood. But believing is a whole different thing. Believing has got to saturate your entire mental complex. Your belief system. Everybody say my belief system. Everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. Okay, we're going to make sure we stay with this. Y'all good? Everybody good? Now, watch this. So, you make a decision. You keep making this decision over and over again. Your subconscious mind says, let me help you with that. It takes it, it, takes it from the, the conscious mind. It extracts the habit, takes the value, stores it in the conscience. Now, every t- you don't have to think about it. Now, all of a sudden, watch this now. You're doing something mindlessly, and you're making these decisions, and you wonder, hey, how's that happening? Case in point. Your friend just moved out of town. You don't have a GPS in your car. They send you in, uh, directions to get to their house. So you get in the car and you're riding, and, and folk try to talk. You shut up. You cut the radio off. You ain't trying to listen to music. You read the directions. Left at Carmichael. Right on Bowers. There we go. Look, okay, okay. Somebody, don't talk. You're driving. What are you doing? Your, 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 your conscious mind is engaged on making decisions that will get you to the house. After about three or four times doing it, I mean, you laughing and talking, man, you listen to music, you bopping down the road. Next thing you know, you're at the house. Has it ever happened to you that you're sitting at a stoplight, you daydream, and when you come back to yourself, you're four miles down the road? And you wonder, listen, did that light change? That ever happened to you? What, what about this? What about this? What about this? We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join Join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.